And welcome to Reading Between the Lines, our weekly arts and culture podcast, all about the people behind the award-winning content at the University Daily Kansan. I'm your host, Nicole Dolan, joined, as always, by the wonderful Wyatt Hall. Hey, everybody. For our final episode of the summer. This week, we are joined by our own editor-in-chief, Nicole Asbury, and news editor, Sophia Belshi, to talk about navigating love and relationships in the midst of a global pandemic. But before we jump into that, let's start out with some of our weekly segments. Wyatt, you want to take that away? Of course, each and every week, we do our what are we watching, what are we listening to, and what are our hot takes of the week. Uh, we will start off with what are we watching this week. Sophia, what are we what are we watching? What am I watching? Um, I watched, last night, I watched Palm Springs, which is mm. actually the second time that I've watched it. Oh. Um, and that movie came out less than two weeks ago. And I have already watched it twice um, because I am fully in love with Adam, I'm not Adam Sandler, <laughs> Andy Samberg. <laughs> but yeah, so I watched that for the second time, which I consider a radical form of self-care. Um, I, it's just such an enjoyable, fun movie. And I, yeah, it's just, it's good for the soul. Would you say it is the best summer movie of 2020? I think so, yeah. I mean, at least that I've seen. I feel like there haven't been a ton of summer 2020 movies just because there's no theaters. But I think, yeah, I think it's definitely the movie of the summer, at least so far. Um, I can't wait until movie theaters are back. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not looking good. crushing. <laughs> yeah, it's not looking good. I actually was really emo this week specifically because um, I'm a huge Wes Anderson stan, and The French Dispatch, which is his next movie, would have come out this Friday if coronavirus didn't exist. And so I'm just like extra um, missing the movie theaters a little extra this week. Do we do we have a new date on that? Yeah, I think it's in October, November. But okay. I mean, at the rate we're going, I don't even know if theaters will be back up by then. We'll see. We'll see. What about you, Nicole? What are we watching this week? So I've been watching just as a whole. A new episodes come out every Sunday. The I'll Be Gone in the Do- Dark, I'll Be Gone in the Dark docu series that's out by HBO, and it's really interesting. And it also does have KU connections to it. It's about Michelle McNamara, who um, was the journalist who ended up kind of like leading up to. She just wrote about the Golden State Killer her whole life and like oh. made it her mission to figure out who it was. And so, but before she like could finish her book, she died under like, um, just like it was an act or not accident. Um, I forget exactly what the conditions were. It was like a freak medical thing, but just like really random. Right. And so her husband is Patton Oswalt. And so he got together with, right. He got together with Jensen Ackles, not Jensen Ackles. That's the Jensen Holes. I was about to say the actor from Supernatural. Which Jensen Holes is this bomb, um, like true crime writer, and then another detective. And they basically wrote, uh, like Jensen also is a KU graduate, which I think is so interesting. And they finished the book and put it out. And then two months after it gets released, they catch the Golden State Killer. And so then HBO is doing this docu series that kind of like goes through 
what her process was like as she was writing about this and how she talked to all the like survivors and how like they ended up catching the Golden State Killer eventually. And it's so interesting. And it's also just very heartbreaking. But it has a KU connection, which is also really cool. Um, so if you're not watching it, it's on episode four, I think came out this week. And then there's two more laughs. And it, it is really like just, it's wonderful. She also like changed the entire way that we think about reporting on sexual violence. And so she's, we love her. We love Michelle McNamara in this house. Absolutely a queen. Yeah, that's, I mean, that sounds super cool. Do you know how many episodes they're going to do in total? Yeah, it's six total. And so, yeah, it ends not this week, but the week after. And so it'll be, it'll be good. It's something to look into. What about other Nicole? What are you watching this week? Yes, hello. Um, so I just watched Desperados with Lamorne Morris and Nassim Hadrad. If you remember the duo from New Girl. And Nassim was also on SNL for a hot minute. So um, it's a pretty good rom-com. It was a little bit cheesy at the beginning, not going to lie. Because she's like, I'm a 30-year-old and I'm still single, and I tried online dating, and she's like a mess. She's a little bit of a mess. She's like broke. She doesn't have a job. She just got fired. Like a lot is happening, and she just wants to find love, and she meets this like picture-perfect guy after like falling on her face, um, and is like, okay, he's the one. Found it. Checks all my boxes, but since she's chaotic, you just kind of follow her on her journey. And so if you loved Winston from New Girl, you'll love this movie. Um, it's something that's like fun and light, you know, if you just want to watch something easy um, and not complicated, I recommend it. But it is definitely not like top 10 rom-coms. I think like the bar is set pretty high for me because mm. Love, Rosie is like at the top for <laughs> rom-coms. Um, Love, Rosie and like Weed Year are like at the top. So I don't know, but it's fun and it's light. So I recommend it. And it was your first time watching it? Yes. Mm. Um, I don't know if I would rewatch it, but it was a fun little mom and daughter moment when my mom and I watched it. So I recommend it. But uh, Wyatt, what are you watching? So this week is actually the 10-year anniversary of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World coming out. So I watched it for the second time uh, last night. And man, it is such a fun movie. I mean, like, it's Edgar Wright and all of his other stuff is great. I mean, you got Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, Baby Driver, but there's just something special about this movie. I still don't really like Scott Pilgrim all that much. He kind of makes me uncomfortable, to be honest with you, but just everything about the cast. I mean, look at the cast. Come on. Who would have thought that 10 years ago, I mean, Michael Sarah was the biggest name on that cast at the time, probably. And now you've got Chris Evans, Anna Kendrick, Brie Larson, all these A-list celebrities. It's crazy. I also forgot Edgar Wright was the one who directed that movie. But like, yeah. I think that is so much of it connected just at once. Uh, <laughs> but no. Brie Larson in that movie was literally a cultural reset. 
Oh, she yeah. is a punk goddess yes. in that movie. She like so I rewatched it uh, like about a month ago or so, and I forgot that half of these people were in this movie. It's crazy. And, and so when Brie Larson appeared, I literally gasped, and I was like, Brie in this. <laughs> Um, but no, and Anna Kendrick too. It's too, yeah, just iconic. It's so good. It just, I, I like to tell people that I think that Edgar Wright is the most fun director in Hollywood because everything he puts out is just so fun. I mean, it's not like super big thinkers or anything. It's just entertainment, you know? But geez, the amount of luck we've had with Baby Driver. After oh, that it's so <laughs> unfortunate. I, I have a poster on my wall of Baby Driver, and I'm like, seriously, like half the faces on this you, poster. Yeah, no. you've got to like take it down. Yeah. It's like, you can't look at that film anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm looking for His next movie is a horror movie, so I'm looking forward to seeing Ooh. what he does with that. But who knows when that'll come. That Shaun of the Dead is like an underrated pandemic movie. Like oh everyone's talking about 100%. Everyone's talking about how they're watching like Contagion and stuff. And I'm like, dude, Shaun of the Dead is like also basically about a pandemic. It <laughs> really is it. That scene with Don't Stop Me Now, cultural reset. <laughs> cultural reset. Totally agree. He's so good. And with that, we'll move on to what we are listening to this week, fitting with all these very music-heavy movies. Uh, Sophia, we'll start with you again. What are you listening to this week? So, as hopefully everyone knows by now, tomorrow, Thursday, is One Direction's um, 10-year anniversary. And so I have been just spinning a lot of One Direction this week, um, just really getting into my nostalgia feels um, and just playing all those albums back. Great choice, great choice. I'm excited to see what tomorrow brings, for sure. Yeah, me too. I think we all <laughs> it's gonna are. It's going to be so I, good. Yeah. Nicole, what about you? What are you listening to? Well, I'm in the same... I'm doing the same thing. I was listening to literally One Direction right before I came. Because <laughs> I'm so hyped up about tomorrow. If tomorrow you won't be mine Won't you give it to me one last time I forgot how much I like loved One Direction up until like today because of all the adrenaline. But even so, like when I listen to One D, it just really just takes me back to like that era in high school um, when like, I don't know, I was sorting out a lot of things with myself. Also, because like, I don't know if anyone else remembers like how One Direction was so pivotal in terms of like people feeling like they could come out. Um, because like Harry Styles was so, for me, he would always like have the rainbow flag on stage. So I remember when I was like 16, just as I like am listening and absorbing all this music again, like just seeing Harry Styles with the pride flag and like how safe and comforting that made me feel at the time. And so I don't know, it's a good week. Um, and I'm excited to see tomorrow. And what what are your guys' expectations? 
I don't even have any. I yeah. just know I'm going to... My only expectation is that I know I will cry. I don't know what <laughs> it's going to be, Yeah, but I know tears will be shed at some point. Yeah, no, there's just, like, there's so many, like, rumors and, like, so much speculation about what might happen that, like, I have no idea what we're actually in for, but um, I'm just excited for any, like, scrap of togetherness that they might give us. Like, I don't even know, but, like... Just the fact that they've acknowledged it at all, I'm like over the moon. Literally, when they tweeted out today, I lost my mind. I was like, I didn't even know this account still existed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, who's running the One Direction Twitter account right now? Is it Simon Cowell? Is it Simon? (laughs) (laughs) I would like to talk about it. Also, because I just, so one of the rumors is that like, basically they're going to cover also each other's songs like they're having a little show and one of the segments is them covering their solo music and if i have if i listen to niall horan or liam payne or louie honestly sing watermelon sugar i will start oh my goodness i will literally i will explode like i will i will that will be all that i talk about for the rest of my life i made a joke earlier today when we were in one one of our management meetings about how like one Direction is returning tomorrow, so we're going to cover it tomorrow. And I told Rob, um, who's our advisor, for those who don't know, that if, like, after this, I'm done. I will, like, I have completed my mission as editor-in-chief. I don't have to do anything else. One Direction is back. There is peace in the universe. <laughs> Everything else is stuck. There is peace, yes. This is about to be the one redeemable part of 2020. <laughs> Let's hope. hope so. <laughs> Nicole, hope have you so. also been listening to One Direction? Well, of course I've been listening to One Direction, but I just wanted to say that I I hope that this isn't naive to say, but I mean, imagine Zayn covering Falling. Just imagine. Just, I wanted to put that thought into my head right now. I'm sorry. I just needed to. Anyway, um, besides One Direction, I've been listening to... <laughs> Um, my one of my favorite new bands that I discovered on TikTok, um, and they are called The Main Squeeze. I mentioned them in like a saved tiktok that i posted on my story and then i tagged them did they also tag me back and said that they loved me yes they're this like wow from bloomington indiana and they describe themselves as funk rock but love that you know it's been it's been a staple every single week i think for me to listen to like saucy r&b but this is like saucy jazz r&b like horns you know soul so everything that i usually love um that my list that our listeners are used to hearing me blab on about but i recommend them they're fun they're on instagram they're really interactive with their fans on spotify they describe themselves as a nice wholesome band which they are we love them but Wyatt, what are you listening to? So I don't know if it's the 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 rain this last week or whatever it is, but it's been a Mac Miller week for me. So I've just been going back through his old stuff, reminiscing on what could have been. And yeah, it's I mean, that's really all there is to it. Just listening to Mac Miller a lot this week. 
I felt the highs and they feel like you See a love like mine, it's too good to be true And you too divine, to just be mine You remind me of the color blue Girl, I'm so in love with you I just got really sad. Yeah, it's funny that you brought that up because I was also listening to this week when I think it was it Thundercat who did the Tiny Desk tribute to him after mm-hmm. he died. Yes. For Cinderella. Oh my gosh. And I cried after because it's just so good. But it just, geez. So the bro Mac right here, man. It's, it's been a year since that last show. So I'm honored to be able to do this with my boys. Um, they was on the last Tiny Desk with him. So. We're just bringing it back. This for Mac Miller right here, y'all. We'll use that to move on to our hot take section, everyone's favorite section. We'll once again start off with Sophia to give us your hottest of takes this week. Hit us with it. Okay. Well, this is a hot take. I feel like this is like my go-to hot take. And I recognize that it's July. So some of you may be like, why are you bringing this up? But I think that Thanksgiving is the worst U.S. holiday that we celebrate in America. And I think that we should abolish it. Um, and I think I I could go on and on about this, but I mainly think that like the history of this holiday is really racist, frankly. And I don't think we should celebrate it. And I also think that the food is overrated. You can cook mashed potatoes whenever you want. You don't need a special holiday. And turkey just isn't that good. Turkey sucks. It's bad. Turkey literally sucks. And also, it's way too close to Christmas. Like, why do we have basically the two, like, biggest holidays happening, like, one month away from each other at the end of the year? I think it creates an unnecessarily stressful time. And, yeah, I mean, like, I I literally could go on. But I think that, yeah, I just think we should abolish it. I think we should be done. Do you think that it's worse uh like more Americans celebrate Cinco de Mayo than like Mexicans, right? Wasn't that like a thing, like a hot take, like a lot? Dude, I I hate Cinco de Mayo every year because every year someone asks me if I celebrate and I have to tell them that I'm Colombian and then they don't understand what that means. And I'm like, it's a whole (laughs) country in South America. Uh, but yeah oh my gosh we had this conversation a couple episodes ago uh americans do not understand that there is more than three or four countries in the entire world so right yeah Yeah, i remember like in spanish class in high school my teacher actually did like a really good job explaining like what is cinco de mayo and like who celebrates it and where and like I just remember, like, looking around at, like, how many people were literally shocked that, like, not all Spanish-speaking countries, like, celebrate Cinco de Mayo. And I was just like, oh, my. (laughs) The education system fails us. Uh, Going back to Thanksgiving, do you guys think that companies will force Black Friday to open this year? Or do you think they'll go online? 100%. I think they're going to force us to go in person. I think they're going to try as much as they can. Well, because, I mean, like, not that this is at all, like, a valid justification, but, like, they've lost so much money this year that they're going to be, like, we need everyone out at Black Friday. Like, It's going to be a mess. Oh, I'm yeah. sure it will be. Nicole, what is your hot take this week? My hot take right now is that, um, hmm, well, 
Okay, so Mercury just got a retrograde, which is really horrendous. And so everyone, like, I just get so tired of people who, like, talk crap on people who are, like, very into astrology. Because I'm also just, like, cis. If you got into astrology, you would understand so much about your feelings and why you feel the way that you do. And everyone who's been super depressed this year, this past week, it's because Chiron went into retrograde. So all your wounds are surfacing right now. So everyone take care of yourself. And it's going to happen for the next six months. So oh. I know it's going to be terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought I was getting better. but I thought it was just a week. And you're like, oh, no, there's a whole other half year of this. Oh, I guess yeah. I, I won't the, get better. That's fine. The wounded healer, that's Chiron, is in retrograde. So it's moving backward through Aries. So all the problems that you like are aware of with yourself are really surfacing. And I just think everyone... Stop criticizing astrology. It's got some tea in there for you. But also, I got kind of annoyed this past week, just in general, because I do tarot card readings. Like, it's something that's a very deep cultural cultural tradition for, like, my family. Um, and someone had swiped up on my story because, like, in our UDK kind of get-to-know-everyone session, I mentioned that I do tarot. And some person swiped up and had been, like, kind of been making it seem like an entertainment thing. And I was like, for some people, it's, like, actually, like, ancestral. Like, it's not just some, like, entertainment thing. Like, there are actually cultural roots in this to acknowledge. And I don't know. I'm just tired. I'm just really tired. Why do That's you think people are so judgmental about astrology in particular? I don't really know. That's, like, the other thing that I'm not really sure of. And especially just because, like, even the origins, I feel like, for astrology are a little bit rocky. So I don't know if it's just, like, that it's atypical from, like, what mainstream thoughts are in general that, like, or, like, the way that we view spirituality. So I'm not sure if it, like, has something to do with that or I don't know. I've always wondered that. I really don't understand that. But maybe some people just want to be bitter and just hate the stars, you know? That's, That's also fair. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I doesn't. It's just never made sense to me because, like, we take something like the stock market so seriously when it makes no sense to literally anybody, even finance people. But then right. you're like, you talk about stars, people are like, it's fake, it's stupid. Like there are planetary alignments happening. There are. Yeah, or even just, like, mainstream religion versus, like, like people, you know, like, millions and millions of billions of people, actually, like, are religious, but, but then if someone's like, oh, I believe in astrology, then it's suddenly... I also wonder how much of, like, outside of main, like, stream Christianity, how, like, a lot of, like, the dislike toward it is rooted in colonialism. You know what I mean? Oh. Of just, like... Well, I was thinking about this more so from like, I mean, a lot of the practices that, so I'm like YU, which is an indigenous tribe in Colombia. And a lot of our practices are very like within mainstream thought, like disregarded and like seen as perceived as evil. And they kind of root back to a lot of the spirituality stuff that I practice. And so I always am like curious about that of just like, is any of this stemming from, I mean, I don't know. And a lot of it has to do with just Colombian history, I think, in particular. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Lots of complicated things in that <laughs> We can get so into that. I don't know that. if we want to unpack that. Yeah, yeah, we can get into that another time. Uh, our last hot take of the week, Nicole, what have you got for us? 
So, Wyatt, my hot take. I've been kind of saving this one and thinking about it, pondering about it. Um, but to my lovely Black Indigenous women of color, I know it can be hard and you can't really choose who you love, but I think I think we need to stop dating white men. It's the hottest take that I, and I've been saving it and I've been thinking about it because just um, subconsciously, I think that when dating a white man, um, you kind of like wonder like, can I like 150% be myself in this moment, in this relationship? Can I like fully like embrace like my culture and my background around you and feel like safe because there are so many examples of like men uh, like fetishizing uh, particularly like, well, every single like race and ethnicity, but like with my experience being like an Asian woman, like there's always that like um, worry that, oh, you just really like anime. Is that the reason why you're interested in me? Or do you have this like misconception that I'm going to be this like tiny submissive sex object, um, which is like pretty messed up. And then being in a relationship with like a white person, you like, I mean, like the possibility of getting gaslighted in a relationship is always like possible, I guess. But like, especially coming like from a white man where they like don't necessarily like understand why you feel the way that you feel through like generational trauma um it can be like hard to like explain where you're coming from slash like not feel like affirmed when you are explaining yourself um and then also like tokenism um i had the question of like well like how many how many men of color have you dated and i'd be like well um not one since the sixth grade but we're not going to count that um and uh like, this one particular person was like, oh, well, I mean, like, through dating you, then that's, like, two people of color that I've dated. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that we were keeping track, which is, like, something that's gross um, and very weird and very odd and makes me feel very uncomfortable. Um, and I also think that, like, you, when you're in a relationship with a white person, like, you, like, subconsciously are, like, censoring yourself. Um, and I mean that in, like oh, maybe I can't, like, introduce this, like, type of food or, like, this part of my culture to you because I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what um, you're, like, um, I don't know how you will receive this, which is, like, something that you shouldn't have to wonder with, like, a partner. Like, that's so many, like, hoops that you're jumping through. And we're, like, we're in our early 20s. Why are we dealing with this? It's so much. But, like, my first relationship was with a white guy. Love him. Great guy. Um, just didn't work out. And I think that a lot of the problems, unfortunately, were like under everything were probably because we were just like from different cultures. And um, no matter like how hard they like try to be an ally, they will never like really understand the genera generational trauma. Um, and that's just, I don't know, it's an extra weight, it's an extra burden. Um, and also with my experience dating like men of color, it's been really, it's been significantly positive. And I'm like, wow, I can like relax and 150% be myself. And that is such a relief and a breath of fresh air that I've never experienced. 
since like the sixth grade, but we're not going to count that. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I've been saving this hot take for a while because I don't really know how it's going to be taken, <laughs> took. So yeah, I'll open it up to y'all for your thoughts. No, I like, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about this week in general. It's like how harmful like those relationships can be sometimes um just because there's also just like so much of like a woman of colors and specific experience that you just like can't explain to your partner and it really hinders the relationship and like I don't know I will say that my partners have been like really understanding but still there's like that disconnect but yeah I don't know it's something that I really just have like learned and we'll unpack this more throughout the episode of just like how right now as like I think too because I'm in such a transformative stage and cultural identity also plays like a key key in that I'm just like okay this is like always very this has been really harmful for me as I've been trying to connect with people about this and especially as we're going I think through the, like a really tumultuous like nationwide setting right now in particular it makes it so much more tough um but even so like something that I think back about is when I was like 15 or so or 14 and Ferguson was happening was like I would try to confide in my boyfriend who at the time was white about how I was feeling and like I was so gaslit and it really like just harmed me so much later down the road um, of just like how much I like wasn't listened to when I was talking about those things or even because like the Dakota access pipeline happened, I think later around my junior year or so. And it was the same thing. And that was even more direct because those were indigenous folks that were getting targeted there. And I was like, those are my people. Um, and so, yeah, I feel you sis, basically. I just feel <laughs> yeah. you sis. It's hard to explain and put into words, but, like, women of color, like, you just, you have that feeling of, oh, they will never get this. And since we are, you're right, like, we are in a transformative point in our lives right now, I don't know if I can take on that burden anymore because we're growing um, and it's time to move on. It's time to move forward. And, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Okay, well, with that, we will move into our main topic, love and basketball. Just kidding. Love and relationships. That was a joke because it's the last episode, and I can do that. Um, Basically, we are going to talk about how we've navigated love, self-care, and our relationships throughout this entire pandemic, and what we hope for the future and what that's going to look like. So, um, Sophia, what has, I guess, the quick rundown of your timeline throughout quarantine been with, like, how you've been, like, emotionally and, like, your relationships? That's such a super deep question, but here we go. Yeah. (laughs) It's really, I feel like it's hard to kind of, like, I don't know, it's hard to like sum it all up because it's just been like a roller coaster of emotions. Um as like cheesy and overused as that is. But um yeah, so I well, I feel like this requires a little bit of context that when the pandemic started, I was studying abroad in Barcelona 
um, living like truly my best eat, pray, love life, um, <laughs> being single in Europe <laughs> and, um, yeah, just kind of hanging out. And then I kind of really abruptly had to like, just like come back and like readjust to living like with my parents and at home and being in quarantine. And I had coronavirus at some point. Right. Um, and so like, it was really, really difficult. And I think that like, when I first got back, I wasn't even like really thinking about relationships or like love. But then I think as soon as like, I did get back and like, get like I kind of got into quarantine like really abruptly because I had been in Europe and so they were like you need to like stay home legitimately and like all of that just like time by yourself really hit different kind of (laughs) and hit really quickly um that I was just like wow I it's we I think we've all had to adjust the way that we connect with other people and like not even just like romantically but just like my friendships I was just like we all kind of had to just shift and change the way that we communicate and the way that we talk. And it was, that was really difficult, I think for all of us, but I mean, like, you know, personally it was hard. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've been like dating wise, I've been going on Tinder a lot, not actually (laughs) meeting anyone, but just like, because I'm bored in quarantine because there's no one to talk to. Um, and that has definitely been kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of vibing. I don't know. It's been difficult for sure. Yeah. You probably never expected to be back in Kansas in March. Nope. <laughs> nope. I did not. Yeah. I was supposed to stay for, I got back around like March 13th or 14th. I was supposed to stay till like June, like the beginning of June, basically. Um, and yeah, it was, it was insane. Like the whole thing was just. I can't believe that it happened. Like, so. Well, Nicole, you were not studying abroad, but you were also thrown into remote education and remote things. So how was that for you? Well, so I actually, last semester, I kind of had my semester off to a degree. Um, so I took most of my classes over winter online for the semester. And so I was pretty much done with my spring classes in January to begin with, or February, I only had like, I was in Carol Holstead's magazine class. And then I was doing an internship for the Kansas City Star where I was working 34 hours a week. And so for me, like, basically, all of this pandemic stuff starts, I'm in the state house covering it. And it just like, the first like month or so of this is just me working pretty much every day. Um, straight up, we would start at 7am and be done at until seven at 7pm. Until about April or so we were kind of able to all go into this like remote structure actually again. Um, But then like, I think the first month of it, I just had been experiencing the worst burnout I've ever had in my life. And I was so just like, I don't think I ever actually rested. So I kind of took like two weeks or so I remember at the beginning of this to just like detox and kind of like reorient myself and also remember like I had relationships outside of work that I needed to focus on. And so I like, um, I think just had a really month or so where I just didn't really talk to anyone. Um, 
And then around like May or so, I started kind of opening up a little bit outside of like just maintaining my relationships remotely with people um, and my friendships and what have you. And I really like tried to just stay at home as much as I could and whatnot. And just, it was a very strange time because like I was so used to talking to so many people and connecting with other people and especially because we're reporters. So that's what we do. So it was weird to go just like a, almost like a cold Turkey break to just, I only saw three people for two months. Um, and so, and that's kind of how it's been since I started like seeing a few other of my friends and really just Lucy Peterson, one of our other reporters here in person, <laughs> um, just because I'm still like a little bit apprehensive about everything, but most of it has just been me at home. I really have just been taking, I think this quarantine as a blessing in the sense of like, it's the moment of pause that I think we all kind of need and a time for us all to like kind of reflect on what we want because the whole world is still kind of on hold. And so I've kind of perceived it as like, okay, maybe I kind of need to be doing the same thing and thinking more of what like I want. And I don't know, I've kind of been hands off with relationships in general, um, except for with friendships and really just been trying to focus on the one that I'm like formulating with myself. So you were literally at the state house and then you went from like state house reporting to like now we're reporting from home or like were you still reporting when people were starting to quarantine? When people were starting to quarantine, I was reporting in the state house for at least another month. Um, And so we, I think, wrapped, we were, I think school shut down and I was there for at least three more weeks um after like and I didn't really take my spring break off I remember because that's when everything really started and so I think we got out around April or so and that's when I started reporting from home technically um but even then there were like some urgent news conferences that so like as things were coming up, they did pool reporting. So like when it was my turn to be the pool reporter in the Laura Kelly news conferences, I would go in person and there would be like four other of us in the room. Um, and so I really had to be also very particular about self-isolating because I was still engaging with other people. So right. like I didn't see my family for until like three months after COVID had started. Um, I like did not go home because I was still in the state house. There's like 100 senators or so and or no, not even there's 40 senators. I don't know why I said that. And like 150 representatives. And then you have all the lobbyists that come in and the security guards and the aides that are working there. And so the amount of people that I was seeing at that time, I was honestly so surprised that I didn't come into contact with COVID. I probably did and just didn't know. Um, but like it was, yeah, I couldn't see anyone after that for a really long time because I was so nervous that I probably got it at some point. I didn't want to spread it to other people, but even that like had entailed staying away from my roommates for a little bit, if I could, um, just because like, yeah, I was seeing so many people at that time. Um, and yeah, no, I didn't get to really get into a remote structure for at least a month. Nicole, I remember um, really soon after I got back, like I would drive to Lawrence sometimes just because I was bored and I could like drive in my car without like 
really breaking quarantine. Right. And I remember one time we like met up in the oh my parking gosh. lot and like stood Six really far apart. Okay. So Sophia and yeah. I at the beginning of this pandemic, when she would didn't want to get stuck in her home, she would come to drive to my parking lot and we would literally stand four parking spots across just yelling at each other outside about how we were doing and my neighbors would like they would be out on their balcony and then we're just these two girls in the dark under the stoplight just yelling at each other about our well-being outside <laughs> we yeah. probably looked and that was you were the first you were like the first friend that i saw in like months yeah, after being like, studying abroad these, and it was these people yeah. out on their balcony probably thought that we were like concocting the next Watergate <laughs> or something <laughs> like she's here giving me government secrets in this student apartment complex parking lot but meanwhile it's just like the secrets are how what's our well-being <laughs> yeah like how are you doing like oh my goodness well Wyatt have you you know come up with interesting ways to communicate with your friends like uh, under a street light like Nicole and Sophia or how was your quarantine um so we haven't been doing anything crazy like that i won't lie most of our stuff has been texting and all of that but um yeah i mean my quarantine's been interesting when it comes to just relationships as a whole i came back home for quarantine so my familial relationships have been obviously a big part of my last few months which has been interesting in a lot of good uh not so good ways depending on the situation um and and friendships have been fine. They've been getting a little strained, I won't lie, just because like we're all just kind of pent up at home and anxious. And so everyone's kind of on edge and arguments sometimes break out over stupid stuff that you don't need to argue about. And it's just like everyone just wants to be back together so that we're not just texting and being all weird over the phone, essentially. So yeah, communication's been obviously a little harder, but uh, we're we're hoping for the best in the count in the next few months. Relationship stuff has been uh, interesting because I got out of a relatively long relationship uh, at the end of January, so like a month before we got into quarantine. So I was still dealing with a lot of that stuff when we actually went in, a lot of just like figuring out what I want and and you know, keeping all of that in mind. But after a while, I am a very extroverted person. I kind <laughs> of thrive on social connections. So it got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to jump on hinge just to talk to people. Not going to go and being like, oh, I want to go on dates because that's stupid and we're in quarantine. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I I did end up going on a date or two later on. It wasn't early in quarantine. It was right, in like right. June. But um, yeah, I, and then through that, I've talked to a few different people. It's just been, you know, mostly casual stuff. I've been kind of hitting it off with a girl lately. But again, mm -hmm. it's all it's like everything is just so weird and up in the air with every with Corona because we don't know what is happening most of the time and everybody i feel like around me i mean it, at least me has a lot of just like weird anxiety related to society right now not even just like right. about myself because i'm just kind of i'm just chilling you know just doing some classes hanging out watching movies and shows and stuff 
but just everything going on outside of these walls with people just refusing to wear masks and we've got all these protests with crazy stuff going on and it's just all like it gives you a, a sense of helplessness at times that is a very unpleasant feeling to sit <laughs> at home with and that's right. something that i've been grappling with a lot in the past couple months for sure Isolating is such an interesting time, especially when you're an extrovert. I feel that tremendously because um, at the beginning of quarantine, I think I was going like stir crazy because it had been the first time that I was like spending this much time with my parents in my childhood bedroom since like the past the last summer. So it'd been like over a year, right? Like almost over a year. And so I think there was so much like familial tension in my house. Like we were about to like rip each other's throats. Like it was like terrible. Like I was like, I'm just going to go hammock and skateboard because I can't deal with this right now. And uh, yeah, so I definitely understand that. Like it's, it's like on one hand with the familial stuff, on one hand, I'm talking to my parents more than I have ever talked to my parents. But on the other hand, sometimes it just it does not end well. Like me and my parents got in a yelling match about Green Book the other day. What? We don't we don't <laughs> need to yell about Green Book. It's just, <laughs> it's just how things are going right now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Um, I think that with my friends... At the beginning of quarantine, the tensions were, oh, you don't want to Zoom call me? Oh, so you don't want to see me? Wow. And it would be like fake petty, but then it'd be like kind of real petty because it's like, you don't want to invest in this relationship? What? We should be bowling and LFK and we're not. And that's sad. I feel you so hard there because I am the lone extrovert in a group of introverts. So yeah. all of them kind of expect someone else to make the plans or whatever so it's always me being like hey you guys want a zoom call <laughs> and it it's it's such a it, it's so much more difficult in our current situation than it is when we're just all in lawrence and can just drive over and hang out you know i also think it's like i don't know for me i found that like talking on zoom or like stuff like that can be so much more draining than like actual like person like in-person mm -hmm. interaction so it's like it is i think it does create a really interesting like social dynamic when it's like we all know that we're all just at home and so like yeah technically you could be on zoom with your friends like almost at any given time like outside of work and stuff but like it's exhausting honestly mm -hmm. like yeah. at least for me and like i and like i am a pretty extroverted person like i like i need like that kind of interaction like to like live but um but I think even like for me like it gets really exhausting like if you know like there's always zoom calls and it just it's I think it's like extra tiring just because it's so different from like what we're all used to and it's like getting used to that new kind of like social interaction is not easy yeah I'm very much of like just a talkative introvert so i appear to most people as being extra extra or, or especially extroverted but i really just always want to be like by myself if i can and but i felt like these past like few years of college i've been getting away from that from so many like being in communal li living situations like in residence halls and even a little bit with our apartment like we live a, like across from a lot of the people that we lived with 
at the beginning of our freshman year. So we could always go over to each other's like apartments and what have you. And I don't know, I think too, it was just like, I kind of got so conditioned to just always communicating with people and driving to different places that I didn't also realize how much of it, like how much energy I'd been putting into other people just in general and how that ended up being like really draining for me because I need like those segments of time when I can just re-centralize myself. I mostly like deal with conflict in private if I can. And that's just like always been the healthiest way for me. But I really wasn't doing that as much. And so for me, I really like just come to find a lot of the like my own solidarity with myself through this. But also it's really made me reorient the way that I think about my relationships with other people as a whole and understanding more of my like boundaries with other people because I think I would just get caught up in this game throughout college of just like, it's because we're so like, we're first of all going through this tumultuous time. And we also like are still understanding, I think what friendships look like as a whole and how like what those structures should be for us. And so for me, I never realized too how much like other people just like as they were talking were projecting onto me, if that makes sense and how I didn't have a sense of how to close that off. But then like I'm in this really, I think, starting to get into this really healthy mental state right now where I understand more of like how much I can handle within a day um, and how like I can communicate my thoughts healthily. Um, And I don't know, it's really just made me rethink how I navigate those relationships with people and also how to like, you know, efficiently invest in other people, I guess, rather than like just not... I, I really just getting at like the root of what's going on with each other, I think too. And I don't know. I've really thought of just like what's actually valuable with your relationships, if that makes sense. Um, sorry, I really went into this deep, intensive conversation. No, but it really has been a test of pretty much every relationship in our lives right now just because there is so much friction from everything going on you what you really need to double down on the good parts of the relationship and make sure that it is worth your time and your energy yeah no exactly it's interesting to like hear you talk about all of that because i feel like in a lot of ways like for me like i because i moved home and everything like after i got back and like for a lot of it's kind of been almost like the opposite for me where it's like I feel like being back like in my parents house like kind of like you know this is where I was when I was in high Mm -hmm. school and like all of this stuff like it's been like regressive instead of like productive Mm -hmm. for like my relationships because I'm just like I'm like back in my like emo high school yes I agree I agree with that just like not doing well yeah i've had i've had friends kind of going through the same situation where i where being back in home where you were in high school is kind of bringing back old mindsets and things like that and i don't know for me i don't even know if i would say that it's been productive for relationships per se i think it's just in a weird gray area right now where everything you're trying to figure everything out (laughs) more than anything else you know (laughs) yeah i definitely relate on the in-home I think that um physically when you're in a space where you went through like a lot of like emotional like trauma like it's muscle memory you know like 
everything in your body is connected. And so you remember like, oh, shoot, I was incredibly emo in high school and went through so many different milestones. And now you go from like being in this transformative period of your life in college for you, Sophia, in freaking Spain. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like I... Johnson County, yeah. Overland Park, OP, where your yeah. high school's like five minutes away from you or something, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, it really was like this, like, I had like the most independence that like I'd ever, like even right. separate of like being in college, like my freshman year and stuff, like being an ocean away, like literally from everyone that I knew to like being stuck like in my parents' house, like, and having that happen like within a week, the transition was... It gave me whiplash. It sounds emotionally tolling. It was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think it was emotionally tolling for like everyone. I mean, like Nicole, you like didn't even move back home, but like you didn't get to like see your family for like three months. Yeah. You know? Um, And that's, that's like a lot for everyone. And so I guess uh, my next question is, did you use this time in quarantine to sort of like, understand what your needs are and like what you sort of need in a relationship that's going to like fulfill you slash like what you want to like seek within yourself and those things because I know Nicole like you tapped into you started realizing like where you draw the lines um in relationships and things and where you draw the line for like yourself and so I guess my question is, is like, have y'all used this time in quarantine to like make those lines, like those boundaries, like known? Um, Sophia, you can start. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely been like a very integral part of like this whole time because it's like, I mean, people always say like you get to know people the most like in a crisis or like in, you know, like really stressful times. And like, I think it not I mean I'm not you know I'm not in a relationship so it's not like I've been watching another person really go through it but like getting to like understand my kind of reactions to really stressful situations and then that can kind of help inform like my future relationships whether they're like friendships or partners or whatever I think it's been less about thinking about other people and more about just thinking about myself and like what are my needs and like what can I do in the future to like I don't know, like make those known and stuff like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Nicole? So I like am kind of coming at this from a really, so I'm a sexual assault survivor and a lot of isolation has been kind of coming to terms with that trauma and like how I can navigate, I think relationships with other people with that being said, I went through like a really like deeply, troubling time after where I was like I can't see men for a really long time and like it was just very difficult for me to just connect with other people in general and this self-isolation had kind of originally made it like amplified it a little bit just because like it was the only thing that I could like ever think about and so and especially because I had no distractions and I didn't realize how much I hadn't necessarily dissected with that until I had nothing else to do during this like self-isolation state. Um, And so I think then that was, I I really 
have just taken this time again to just focus on like what what this means for me and how I'm going to navigate it in the future, but also because I hadn't realized how behind I was with myself on it. Just because I think the day-to-day interactions that I'd had hadn't necessarily made me come to a point where I had to face those things. And so it's really made me rethink my relationships. I'm doing a lot better, oddly enough, in self-isolation now, um, just because like I've actually had time to process these things where I think normally I didn't really have that opportunity. Um, but I, I realized too where there's been a lot of stagnation with my relationships with other people. And it wasn't necessarily so much of anything that they were doing, but mostly like those mental blocks that I had with myself that I hadn't really fully processed that were impacting, I think, the way that I worked with others. Um, And so I've also just learned a lot about what deal breakers are for me. And like, in terms of, I don't know, even with a lot of like, just the protests that are going on in general, I've learned just as a whole, like, I, these things that I used to think that I was overreacting about, for so long in terms of just gaslighting and the microaggressions were like very real things that I were, was very valid to be upset about. And I just hadn't had the time to like actually dissect that and unpack that for myself. But now that I do, and I'm pissed at all the people that like gaslit me for so long over this. Um, And so I don't know, it just reoriented everything for me in that realm of it. Just because like, now all these things that I used to think that I was crazy about were actually things that I had every right to be upset about. And also even like with the, just like that element of my life with my past trauma, like I had, like, I needed to unpack these things. And also they do like kind of matter in my relationships. And I I don't know, lots of, lots of the stuff there, but if that makes any sense. (laughs) Yes, it does make sense. Um, Wyatt, has this time um, allowed you to recognize boundaries i think the the quarantine has been a lot of you know self-reflection and uh that kind of thing so i think it's been very productive in that sense of figuring out kind of kind of what you guys said of what i need and what i want but it's also at the same time kind of difficult in figuring out things in my relationships with other people because part of that anxiety that I mentioned earlier is when, when you do experience any, any friction or anything going on, you're like, man, I'm kind of frustrated with this person right now. It's hard to tell if it's, I actually feel this way or if this is just a product of the circumstances where I'm just like, I'm feeling moody because I'm anxious and angry at everything going on. So it, it's. I feel like there is a lot of refle- self-reflection and growth going on. It's just there are so, definitely some barriers in the way of getting to that point. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, I guess my journey, even though I'm hosting, I don't want to talk too much, <laughs> but my journey within quarantine has been like navigating what it's like to go through a breakup of like a person that I almost dated for like three years of my life and like navigating like, Oh, like this is the first time that I'm single since like 2017. What does that look like? 
do I even remember what that looks like? Do I remember what boundaries are Um, and what it feels like to, I don't know, not that I didn't stand up for myself in my relationship, but I think that like once you date someone for a long time, you kind of forget what it's like to not be the one compromising all the time. Yeah. And so that was interesting. How I was going to ask, how close to uh, quarantine did you guys break up? Yeah, we broke up on March 13th, right? And so that's the beginning of like everything where like poop is hitting the fan um, in the world and then also in my heart. So basically, um, mm-hmm. poop was like Mr. Worldwide, like Pitbull, get out of the way. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was very weird to navigate being single for the first time in my college adult life. And what does that mean? Like, it does, does that mean, like, freedom, just going, going to the streets? And what, what does going to the streets mean? I don't even know. And so I got on Hinge. I started talking to people. And I started talking to people outside of Hinge and Tinder and things like that. And um, it's a very interesting time. Dating apps is a very interesting experience. Sophia, you can talk about Tinder. <laughs> and Wyatt and I can talk about Hinge. So. <laughs> I, I feel like Tinder, I mean, Tinder is like always an interesting experience. Like no matter if there's a pandemic going on or not, but like, I feel like especially just like since the pandemic like the pandemic happened, it's been so like I don't even know how to like fully explain it, but it's just like cuz everyone is clearly like <laughs> like craving human connection, but then like yes. you also can't really like do anything I'm about gonna it. I'm not going to start yeah yeah like I'm not going to meet up with anyone. I mean, I honestly the way that I work on Tinder is I don't meet up with people anyway, so like um but like <laughs> um like especially right now like I'm not gonna meet up with some random person like I'm not gonna risk getting COVID so that I can go on a tinder date um and but then at the same time it's like I don't know I'm like stuck in my house with like nothing to do and so it's like yeah I want to try to talk to people but yeah it yeah it's like and like everybody's kind of like that I feel like everyone's just like missing that human connection and it's also just weird Nicole I don't know if you feel the same way but like being on tinder in your hometown like instead oh my goodness Sophia the amount of times the amount of times I came across like popular mean guys um from high school that still use their senior pictures even though they are going to be juniors in college wow high school senior photos for their profile and then you get the typical fish photo um i i have seen people on tinder recently like from my hometown who i went to elementary school with not even Mm, that were like with me like who you like you know those people from elementary school where you remember them but then they don't go to the same high school as ever yeah. Anyone else like you just don't know what happens to them? I've seen them on Tinder and I'm just like <laughs> Reunion. I didn't know that you existed still. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Wyatt, how has your hinge experience been? Well, before I go into hinge, on the flip side of that, I just wanna say my best friend got into her first serious relationship ever on Valentine's Day. 
So she is not going to really get to be with her partner for real until their six month anniversary. Oh, wait, this Valentine's Day. This Valentine's Day. Interesting. How how unfortunate would that be? You finally get in a serious relationship with someone and then you have to separate for five months. You know, (laughs) I don't know what's worse to deal with a breakup in isolation for the first time since 2017 or getting in a relationship, a serious relationship, and not being able to see that person. I mean, there are, like, there are definitely times in quarantine where I'm like, damn, I kind of wish I had, like, a relationship right now. But at the same time, like, I think about, like, the logistics of that. Oh, it's so hard. It seems like it would just be a nightmare, and I'm kind of glad that I'm not dealing with it. So Hinge has been... Uh, it's been interesting just because, like, I feel like most of the people that I'm swiping right on are the type that are like, hey, maybe we should actually take COVID seriously. So it's it's all very, like, casual conversation. Let's see where this goes, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I don't – it's been it's been so weird because when you hit it off with people – Instead of going on a date after a few weeks of talking, you just kind of keep talking until you're able to actually see each other whenever that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's my experience anyways. Because, But I'm not in Lawrence, and I'm swiping on people in Lawrence, so I don't know how oh, that really? actually being in Lawrence. Yeah, I swore off of dating apps because, like, well, okay, so first off, my roommate, um, a man got her removed from tinder because she ghosted him like she's banned from tinder entirely and so my roommate tried to get back onto tinder while using my phone number so now i'm also banned from tinder so i can't use tinder at all um because it was (laughs) her device that she put it in um but so that was like roadblock number one um (laughs) hinge like i don't know i like I've used it on other people's phones. I just can't get into it. And especially just because, like, I know too many people from reporting in more. Oh, my goodness. So, re-Tinder in particular, like, when I had been on it pre-pandemic, I ended up matching with my downstairs neighbor. And I don't know if you're aware of apartment dynamics, but it's always a war between the upstairs neighbor and downstairs neighbor. And they had filed a noise complaint against us like three months before. So my downstairs neighbor, if you're hearing this right now, I'm sorry I'm calling you out, but I'm still upset about this. But anyways, <laughs> so we end up matching on Tinder. Um, and he informs me that he's my downstairs neighbor and what have you and everything. And it was like kind of fun, you know, kind of exciting. And I just ended up, the thing is like, because of our community instead of like anything serious it just ended up becoming like an exciting gossip session for me of all the people who were living in my building that I was matching with like our downstairs neighbor told me so much tea on the people that he lives diagonally across from and I just started figuring out too many secrets from people in my building that I'd never met so I had to get off the app I had to get off the app Nicole, this is literally so you. Like, of course, this is what happened to you. Like, you had to get off Tinder because you knew too much about people you didn't know. Wow. Literally, I... Iconic. Well, and especially... This is like Indiana Jones, except instead of the crystal, 
It's Tinder. Well, and especially because that's how I found out KU football <laughs> players lived above me. And then I knew way too much about them. And so <laughs> that's my KU football. That's my we love you. that's my Tinder story is you end up finding out that not only you live below a, like members of the KU football team, but you also live diagonally across student government people and then the, your downstairs neighbors like know just tea on everyone in your apartment building and it becomes too real for you, so you have to get off. Oh, my, <laughs> my other thing about tinder is i always think that it's gonna be a good idea and then i go on there and i'm just like i hate texting i hate texting with yeah. people that i don't know and so then it's like why am i even here this is the whole point of the app like, and they never have game none of them really ever have game yeah on tinder. yeah like none of these like i was just talking about who i'm just like can you even hold a conversation? Like, is this what it's going to be like in real life where you just say, what's up? And I say, like, oh, not much. And then that's it. That's the conversation. <laughs> so question, with quarantine, have openers gotten better or worse? I have just put in my bio, tell me about your quarantine coping mechanism. So oh. I a lot of times now get an opening line that's just some guys like, new hobby or something i used to have in my bio that like something about how i liked movies or something and then i got way too tired of men asking me what my favorite movie was and then telling me about how they like either pulp fiction or fight club or the wolf of wall street and i was just like i'm done i can't anymore tinder men are interesting they're always like need a quarantine buddy and i'm like i'm not going to see you that, no, I'm that, not coming to your house. <laughs> saying I need a quarantine buddy is in itself like conflicting, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, we're not, not going to do yeah, that right now. I think like that, that my like very first hot take a long time ago for our OG listeners was um, meet out the racists early and often. I'm pretty sure like I was like put in your bio, like if you don't just support Black Lives Matter... Swipe left. Swipe left. Like let's let's not do this. You know, like let's let's make let's uh recognize our boundaries early and often. That's like the thing that from what I've seen, Hinge, I've enjoyed about it is that you it really like asks you what your life is about. But also, I appreciate how on Bumble it lets you block certain zodiac signs. So I'm. Gonna <laughs> I, I found this out the other day. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start blocking so many Aries men if I ever get on that app. <laughs> Wait, what about Scorpio men? Okay, so Sophia knows this about me, this with me. I only have dated Scorpios. I also have only dated Scorpio men. You guys are sick. <laughs> I'm a Libra. I'm a Libra. Think about it. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn and Capricorns and Scorpios always get along. It sucks. It's because we're all evil. What would you guys say are the best and worst signs to date? No, I don't know. The sexual tension with a Scorpio is wonderful. But I don't know. That's just my experience with it. Leos are a lot. I'm sorry, Sophia. I love you. But like Leo men are a lot. I'm sorry. No, Leo Leo men are a different breed. For those listening at home, I am a Leo woman. But I yeah, Leo men are a lot. So I'm like very Capricorn within my chart. Capricorn Sun, Capricorn Venus, 
Taurus moon. I'm earth sign through and through. So I love my water signs. So I, but I specifically, Pisces are like fun, but more friends. Cancers and Scorpios are just like chef's kiss. They're so wonderful today as a Capricorn because it's very like, the one thing though that I will say is that like men, the cancer men and Scorpio men are like night and day. So if, but like, they're still just so interesting because they're very in tune with their feelings. Scorpios just won't admit how in tune with their feelings they are. Cancers are like, Hey, I'm going to start crying at 2 PM. Pull up. <laughs> um, and then the worst signs to date, at least in my experience have been Aries men, fireside men in general, until they like, heal completely you just gotta avoid them when they heal though and self-actualize i'm sure they're fine i just haven't i haven't met a fire sign man who's healed and self-actualized but maybe when we maybe when we get older we'll meet a fire sign man who is emotionally stable (laughs) yeah but yeah i will also say capricorn men suck and i'm saying that as a capricorn woman and that's on period wow I think the only Libra man that I've met is Elijah, our opinions editor. Everyone else has been like either a Virgo or like a Scorpio around me. I just don't think I have the emotional capacity to date a Leo man ever again. Um, Scorpio was very interesting. Did it for almost three years, but uh, I think I'm ready for something else what's like a february pisces or aquarius you don't want to date an aquarius they're know-it-alls i love them but they are that's like their trade like wait what's a good what's a good sign for a libra to date aries because that's your like your exact composite nicole what sign should i date? um virgo i have been looking for a nice virgo man wait why what what is your zodiac sign wyatt uh, I am an Aries by two hours. <laughs> Do you just match us up? What is happening? This is this is so much, too much is happening right if now. If I was born two hours earlier, I'd be a Pisces. Tell me that I've just been roasting you straight up. I mean, it's true. Aries men are and ridiculous. Then, didn't you just tell me that I'm supposed to date an Aries? <laughs> so much is happening. I was wondering if you knew because I was like, I'm not going to say anything here, but I mean, it's true. It's, yeah. Oh it's my an experience. God. So funny. So oh my I'm so sorry. I- <laughs> no, I take no offense to any of that. Thank yeah. You. You're a Pisces cast. Yeah. Do, okay. That's a question I was actually going to ask. Do you believe, I've heard that it's like controversial as whether cusps are a thing. Wait, what's a cusp? It's like someone who was born at a time that's like so close to the other sign that it kind of like, so they could be like another sign pretty much. AK born two hours yeah. after yeah. Pisces ends. Like a transformative <laughs> sign. I don't know. I like kind of think so because you do have a lot of pisces energy i'm so sorry <laughs> Wyatt, that i was just like all aries men are evil no i it's all good i think you're self-actualized but you're a self-actualized aries man so it's okay so glad we cleared that up i don't even i think we were talking about dating apps i think that's so funny first of all that also that bumble invented a mechanism to block zodiac signs in particular like they went so deeply in thought with that 
Listen, they know what the people want, and they want to block certain zodiac signs. Like, what can you say? I also, I'm just curious for like, have either of y'all been on Bumble, and what has your experience been? And just like the woman, because is, isn't it like the woman also always initiates it or something? Yes. 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 I haven't. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else has actually been on Bumble, but I haven't. But I've heard a lot from my friends who have been and like they like it because the woman like always instigates you know i don't really like it that might be a hot take um just because i like that i can like choose who i want to talk to but like they all have like a time limit on like when you're supposed to like contact the other person mm-hmm. and i just like don't like being limited um i want to yeah, choose i want to like match with someone and then like choose whether or not to talk to them in like a time frame of like 24 hours to like two weeks like how am I feeling because sometimes yeah I mean I also like I mean my friends do like that you like the woman is always the one to like instigate the conversation but I am a Leo woman and so I want them to approach me I don't want to do any work like yeah I also feel that I was only on Bumble for a brief time, and I feel like my big gripe with it is a lot of girls, what they do is since they have to, like, you have to start it or the match will go away, they just be like, hey, and then just, like, <laughs> let you start it instead. <laughs> they're like, they're like, pass it. Like, <laughs> yeah, pass it over to me. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god. Why is that absolutely something I would do? <laughs> I was thinking that. I was like, I'm sorry, Wyatt, I'm in this photo and I would like to be at a tag. Yeah, Bumble is a whole other beast. Also, I ran into a lot of people from high school again. I feel like I, on every dating app I've ever been on, the guys' photos are bad. But I don't know, maybe that's just me. It's, it's as you said earlier, a lot of guys take one good photo in high school and then they put it on there for years. And it's, True. it's so ridiculous. I mean, I, I would be embarrassed to do that. Like my friend group goes out and we do photo sessions every couple months yeah, just because like so it, hypes, awesome. it hypes us up. And so I use those photos. But man, if I used photos back from high school, I would literally be embarrassed of my profile. Also, like, if I used photos from high school, the people would be confused when they saw me because they'd be like, you look like a child. Oh, I have grown so much in the past couple years when it comes to that. So how do you? Okay, this is my next question. When it comes to curating your dating profiles, what are you thinking about? What comes to mind? This is coming from someone who the one time I was on a dating app, used it as a gossip experience. So for people who used it sincerely to cultivate romantic relationships, tell me how you did it. I feel like I just try to go for like some cute pictures. I don't know. I try to do at least like not all my photos with other people, obviously, because that's so annoying because then you don't know like which person is like the person's profile. But I always try to show like, yeah, I have friends, you know. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not alone. Yeah, I do things. I have fun. (laughs) I primarily use Hinge, as we've talked about. And with Hinge, they limit your photos to six, whereas most other apps are like, you do nine or ten. So you really got to make the most of the photos that you have. Um, And I feel like I look for a few things in mind. I try to keep them as much up to date as possible. 
I try to show a variety in like fashion and clothes I wear to show that I'm not just like a man that wears sweatshorts and t-shirts because <laughs> no one wants to be with that. I also feel like one of my strong suits is my smile. So I try to make sure I'm smiling in every photo. I feel like that's one thing that men do not do enough is putting pictures of them smiling. And so it's just like, yeah, they're always doing that weird, like closed mouth smile. They're always like, yeah, I, I just, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though. It's a thing. That kind of stuff, things like having fun fashion and smiling and all of that makes you more approachable and seem more friendly and welcoming. So anyone who isn't going by those standards for their photos is from the beginning handicapping themselves. I feel like I also try to like, I don't know. This is probably like getting way too deep on like how I pick my Tinder profile pictures. But like I try to like show like my personality or like what I'm interested in like through photos. Like like I don't know, like I I'm a political science major. I have a picture of me like from Washington DC, like in front of the Capitol, like doing something stupid, like because I like the government. Well, I don't like the government. You know. But or like I have a photo <laughs> of me like <laughs> like at a concert you know it's i don't know it's very like non-scientific but still thought out yeah um so for me i have my favorite quarantine self-timer photo it's such a cute photo thank you thank you um on hinge i said the way to win me over is to take me food truck hopping and cook me something good Dash, also, please, God, support Black Lives Matter. And then my favorite photo of me in a waffle, a little sweatshirt thing, which is, like, my go-to for always, and it's me in a messy bun. So I like to use different hairstyles because, like, this is what I'm going to look like if I choose to put my hair in a bun um, or if I have my hair in long hair, you know, I'm not, like, shows variety. I'm not a catfish, I promise. Um... And I have, like, one group photo of me, one Chiefs photo, because I know all of the Midwestern men love that. They eat it up. They eat it up. And I'm like, yeah, here you go. I do love Pat Mahomes. Now you know. Yeah. And then I also say, all that I ask is that you are not a picky eater and that you are actively anti-racist, which I think are both very valid and a necessity if you want to date me. But... On Tinder, I make sure to include, like, all of the music that I'm listening to because they're like, wow, music. And I'm like, yeah, if you want to try and be an indie man right now, I can, like, totally defeat you. Um, and if you tell me that my music taste is bad, I'm just going to block you because you're wrong. My music taste is impeccable. Chef's kiss. We love that confidence. Yeah. <laughs> I also like to, at the end, add this video of me doing a kickflip just kidding it's not a kickflip i like to add this video of me doing a ollie avril lavigne is quaking right now she's quaking (laughs) yeah and so all the skater boys will be like wow nice ollie that ollie has me wild in i want you to beat my life up and i'm like okay teach me how to do a moving ollie and we'll see how this goes and so i'm trying to use them or not use them because using people is bad, but um, connect with them to improve my skater girl antics. I love that. 
I think boiling all that, I mean, it's just boiling all it down. You have to make yourself interesting. Nicole, since you do not use a dating app, do you think, in your opinion, that pursuing love outside of yourself is possible in a global pandemic? That is a very deep question. The answer is no. <laughs> um, oh, no, there's no hope for us all. Oh, 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 you meant just in general. I thought without dating apps. Yes. And I was like, just because it's like hard to, like, you can't really connect with new people unless it's like through the friend circle right now. So I guess you could in theory. But I think in terms of like actually just like finding love in general, even like dating apps included, I think. You know, I think it's possible. I've been reading those bachelor, bachelorette stories from people outside of the show finding love just with random people. So apparently it is possible. I think the thing that I always get like nervous about with our specific, like the time period that we're in is how much like, do you actually like, like this person versus how much like do you just not have you not just met everyone yet that you think you do like our lens is so limited right now but I also don't know it's so strange because like I think it could happen it just like you really have to come to security with yourself and what you want and I think the nice thing about this pandemic is that it's giving us that opportunity to think about it and so I think this pandemic the way that we're reflecting with ourselves wow Chris Harrison, please hire me for the Bachelor Bachelorette right now to be the host because I'm about to spit some bars. But it's the stepping stone for us to find love because you know what? We're loving ourselves in 2020 and that's the rule. And when we love ourselves, that means we can find love. So find fulfillment within yourself, babies. Let's go. That's the energy that we're having this summer. It's hot. It's hot girl summer. And it's also hot girl self summer. I, that made no sense, but my point stands. <laughs> hot self summer, and it's inclusive. So non-binary folks, men, you. This is all your love yourself moment, and we're all here for it. Why? I know that you mentioned earlier that like your friends were talking about like anxiety in terms of like I don't know if it's like in terms of like actually like meeting up in person. But I know that, like, a lot of my friends are going through, like, anxiety with, like, no, I don't know if I want to actually, like, see one person because of the pandemic. And so I guess my question is, is, like, do you all think that it's valid for people, like, romantically or platonically to, like, meet up? Period. The way that I have been approaching this is, for me, I'm like, this... This virus is going to go a lot longer than we had ever originally intended because people are just being so dumb in how they're handling and going about it right now. And so I feel like you have to find a balance because I don't think we're going to I I don't know if I would be able to not be around people at all for a year or more, you know, so I'm the way we've been going about it is we've been doing, you know, two people, three people and making sure that like we are wearing masks and we are social distancing and that kind of thing. And that's, I feel uncomfortable in big groups right now, but I feel like we have to find a way to connect 
or we're all going to go crazy. You know what I mean? So we're, we're finding different rules and exceptions and things to go about this, but it's all just, it's so difficult. Ugh. Yeah. I think it depends like a lot on like who you're meeting up with and like what that other person has been doing. Cause it's like, I mean, I know that like, I have gone to, like, my friends' houses before, but it's more, like, if you meet up in, like, very, like, small groups and, like, if you have, like, talked to that person and you know that you've both been, you know, for the most part in isolation, like, maybe, you know, you can go to the grocery store or something, but, like, you know, like, that that person hasn't been going to the Hawk when the Hawk was open or whatever. But, like, I think, like, as long as you communicate about, like, what have you both been doing and not doing? Um, then like you can kind of understand what the actual risk is. Communication is absolutely key here. And one thing to also keep in mind is that even with, you know, everybody being super duper careful right now to be around each other, we are all still students and we are about to go back to college and, they're saying still that we're going to be on campus. So everything is about to change because you can't socially isolate when you're going into classes with a bunch of other people. So who knows what all this is going to look like in a month or two. (laughs) Yeah. I really got kind of in a rut too, just in terms of like at the beginning of who should I be interacting with and how I should be going about it. And then I got fairly like lax about it or not lax necessarily, still fairly stringent in that I started opening up myself to see like Lucy, for example, one of our like friends. Um, And, but then like, as I started kind of interacting just like with a small group of people in small settings, I did come into contact with someone potentially who got COVID and I, I mean, I ended up being fine, but that scared me for so long. And then just in terms of like, I really just started chugging a little bit more and thinking of like, how many people have those people seen? And then that's when I really started like, rethinking how I'm navigating this. And it's exactly that of like, I think we need to find a balance to a degree of like, because I know for my own sanity, I want to be able to connect with people. But it's just like, realistically, how much can we actually do that, especially as we head into this fall? Because the other thing that like, I've been aware of is just contact tracing of we don't know still like, even though our friends say that they're seeing limited people, there it's still like so many people that you're just coming into contact with when you think of how much the numbers are adding up. It's a mess. This is this is the weirdest time of our lives, truly. And the relationships and how we manage them are really just like as is coming into question. But potentially with this extending into right. February, at least. I mean, it's just so temperamental of how we're going to navigate this for so long. I mean, emotionally, you know. It's a constant internal conflict of... I want to see this person, but also this whole thing is making me very scared for my own well-being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's also just it's also just scary because of like how many unknowns there still are about the virus. So it's like I mean, I like I kind of briefly mentioned it earlier, but like I have the antibodies to coronavirus. Like I've been tested and so it's like you know, everybody likes to throw around like, oh, well, that means you're immune and this and that and that. But then the, now there are people who are getting it a second time. And it's even so worse. It's like, 
we don't actually yeah and it's even worse and it's like so we don't actually know at all what that means and like I mean I never went through a phase where I was like oh I have antibodies so I'm gonna go around like licking doorknobs or something <laughs> like I was always like I was always being careful like no matter what but like you just really like we just don't know enough about the virus to even really know like what the best option is or like what the best actions are to take you know even though you are trying to like limit how many people that you see um like you never really know who the people that they see have seen um and that's what's making everything like crazy because um actually like one of the one of my friends um like ended up going to like power and light um and like one of their friends ended up getting into contact with three people very very closely um and um by getting closer to just three people and they all were in the same vehicle at one point together and um i straight up told them i'm like you know i would love to see you but um I would also love not getting coronavirus. So, unfortunately, I cannot see you. <laughs> and um, it's scary. And even, like, my best friend, Kristen, who I've, like, talked about before on the podcast, like, she refuses to see me because she doesn't feel comfortable because she thinks that I've seen, like, way too many people for her comfort, which is totally valid. And this is, like, another thing that we're learning in, like, our friendships of, like, boundaries, um, even more so than, like, before, at least in my experience, because, um, like, when you think of, like, your best friend, like, you want to, like, see them every single week. But now you're, like, no, I feel uncomfortable for my health and my safety that I cannot see you. And I probably won't see you until December. And being five minutes away from my best friend, it breaks my heart. And FaceTime can only do so much, like what we talked about before with Zoom um, and Zooming your friends. And so it breaks my heart that I probably won't see her until after Thanksgiving. But it is what it is. Um, And so, like, navigating that internal battle, like what we talked about, was just like, so much (laughs) and it's we never asked for it you know and we're all in the same boat um so it's a lot to unpack but um I guess is our general consensus that in-person hangouts are valid question mark or are we saying that they are so are we in the middle of that I think I think it depends on your circumstances a little bit too in the sense of like so for example I would feel very comfortable seeing one person in particular in my life because they live by themselves and literally don't have anyone else to let they like see in person um and so that's like the one person that I would feel okay with seeing in totality I'm in a specific situation where like coming into the fall I'm going to work with someone who's especially high risk And it's the same situation with my parents, much more for this person that I'm working for. So for me, I like have decided that come into the fall, in-person hangouts are something that I'm not doing with people outside of my roommates, just because I don't feel 
comfortable with the people that I'm around and knowing how bad it's going to get into the fall with the second wave. Um, like I can't do it, but that's my own personal decision. I think right now in Kansas too, what helps though in general is that we're so spread out as is, you know what I mean? And just the sense of like the virus isn't necessarily as active here just because we have like a prominent rural community, but I don't know what that's going to look like in a month, you know, when all these students come back. Um, I think it's like a day by day call, really. I don't think that there's a consensus that you can do because it depends on like your own factors and the people that you come into contact with. And that's just something that like, there's no really right or wrong answer. I mean, don't, don't hang yeah. out with more than 30 people right now at once. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't even go up to, like, I think technically what? the, like, legal 45. limit is 45, but, like, like who's getting together? Who's getting together with 45 people? That's yeah, done uh, Classrooms. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, like, it really is just your circumstances that I feel like can really only make the best call in this scenario. I will say, like, exactly what you said, though, Nicole, of, like, it's really important to respect what other people are doing right now because like I'm really in like little arguments with people that are really driving me crazy right now over communicating. I can't see that many people right now and people in response being like, well, I want to spend time with you. Like I'm kind of lonely right now and I need friends, but like, it's like we're in a pandemic and I like have such unique circumstances that my person has asked me to, self-isolate for two weeks and I need to respect that and so it's like can you please just respect my own boundaries with this you know what I mean because like I don't want to accidentally get give someone COVID who's high risk and then like I have to deal with that situation and that's horrible to put in I don't know you know what I mean you just took us full circle back to are we realizing our own personal boundaries in quarantine this year? <laughs> we are. We are. Yeah. I mean, because you really also get a sense of like who in my life is going to be respectful and like listen to me and respect what I want in quarantine or not in quarantine. And like, that's important. Consent goes beyond like the bedroom. And I think that like, we forget about consent a lot of the times in friendships because you're like, oh, like, well, you're friends. Well, that's like the same reasoning that people would use for like date rape. Oh, we're dating. So this is okay. Right. And so um, those are very extreme. I'm so sorry if that's triggering for anyone. Um, but you know what I mean? We get to this point where we're very comfortable and boundaries are unheard of, which is silly. And I'm glad that this quarantine has like, taught us how to like relearn friendships on top of like relearning how to navigate romantic relationships as well like all relationships are at their core like the same you know and so I'm just happy about that but I guess my last question for all of you is how have you grown throughout this entire quarantine pandemic experience and what do you hope for for yourself and for your relationships in the fall as we enter back on campus and go throughout the rest of the year? So, Sophia, my lovely friend, you can start. Okay. Um, I think for me, this has been like 
really challenging in ways that I didn't exactly like expect. And I think that I, I mean, I think that I have grown, but I think that more than anything, I've identified places where I need to grow because it's almost like some unhealthy habits or like things that I need to change about my life and the way that I approach relationships. Like it's kind of like all caught up to me in quarantine. Like these things that have needed to change for a long time that I maybe was like reluctant to identify. It's like, it's finally all caught up with me when you don't have anything to do except think about your life and your trauma. In your childhood <laughs> and, bedroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In your childhood bedroom in your parents' house. Um, and so I think I, it's hard to say like how I've really grown during quarantine, but I have a lot of optimism and hope for how I can grow after quarantine and after like identifying a lot of these things and hopefully starting to do the work to fix them and also find a new therapist and doing that also. <laughs> Wyatt? Uh, Sophia pretty much hit it on the nose for me. Uh, I I am very, very excited for the opportunity to have an in-person therapy appointment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's 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 been a lot of it's been a lot of like figuring out like obviously I feel like I've grown a little bit just in the fact that I'm realizing things about myself, but there is a limit to how much we can grow just ourselves you know what i mean like there's so much there's only so much we can do alone and so it it's been a good time for figuring out what i need to work on in myself and what has been holding me back from like my potential and just my own and in my relationships around me and so it's given me it's given me a lot to work on over the coming months but also a lot to um talk with people like friends like like therapists like ever you know everyone else important in my life on how can i be better and these are things that i feel like i have been lacking on how can i do better in these areas with you and within with myself so it's i feel like more than anything it's not been a time of like growth it's been a time of creating the foundation for future growth I love that. I love that so much. Yay! Oh my gosh! I love you all. This is so yes. exciting. Nicole, how have you grown, my friend? Well, I think I've really understood in definition what it means. First of all, like what community care is, and like how. Um, I think just in general, also what's actual selfishness is because I would always get tripped up over like caring about myself and perceiving that as self or selfishness versus, Oh no, it's actually just like ch me checking in on myself and making sure I'm operating. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of been, I think the area where I've grown as a whole of just also just taking the break and giving myself the time that I deserve to like heal and also just like explore what I'm actually interested in as a whole, but also just like understand, I think as a whole, how much of I am a microcosm in this bigger community that I also have to protect and care for. And I have an obligation to do that exact thing. Um, 
And so I don't know, it's been very interesting to like think more in that way. And I also just think like for one of the first times, like I can actually like say that I'm comfortable in my own body or at least getting there, which is so nice. Um, and having a more like holistic understanding of just like, I think the people that I'm around and how much like patience is required to give in our relationships because we have to let other people grow too, because everyone's going through a weird time right now. Um, but I will say the biggest lesson that I've learned is as someone who likes to always stress out about everything is that you can only truly take it one day at a time. And you can only invest so much energy into each day. And you have to understand the limitations for yourself, too. I second that. Everyone needs to learn to be patient with themselves and others in this time. Yeah, super hard. Still oh. hard. Oh, me? Little Care to share, Care Bear? Um, I'm going to pretend that you did not say that to me um, <laughs> on our podcast. Uh, Wyatt, you can cut that. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Um, so... I think that I have grown miles and miles and miles. Is that even like a sentence? I don't even know. Why am I gaslighting? It is. Why am I gaslighting myself? (laughs) This is what I've learned is how we um, subconsciously gaslight ourselves by like over apologizing and like asking like, does that make sense? Or like, you know what I mean? Um, That's all of us. Um, but, um, just like being more self-aware of how, like, I subconsciously, like, silence myself and silence my femininity and, like, my power because, um, for the first time since, like, 2017, like, I'm on my own, like, quotes, quotation marks, little bunny ears around on my own because I do understand that I have the support system around me, um, but... I am the person that is alone in my room at two in the morning listening to hot mulligan or like mom jeans and all these beautiful emo bands that my ex showed me. So shout out to you. Thank you. White indie man for showing me that. Um, And I know what I want now in a relationship and what I don't want. And I know now that it's valid to have, like boundaries and it's valid to um speak up and not always be the person compromising and um honesty is like a two-way street in a relationship and like in like a one-way relationship like with yourself like i'm tired right now i have not eaten i have taken like not as great care of myself in this moment so i'm going to go do that and it's okay and, like, recognizing the difference between, like, self-care and, like, needs. <laughs> like, it's not, like, I used to think, oh, self-care, like, I'm just going to, like, cook myself a meal instead of, like, eat, like, garbage. It's not self-care, Nicole. It's a need. <laughs> and just, like, recognizing little things within myself that are easily um, changeable and easily to, like, fix. Um which has been like a blessing within my quarantine. Um, But what I hope for the fall and what I hope for relationships in the fall are just like clarity um, because it is like our last year um, at KU and that's really scary. But um, what I've learned with like my 
last relationship with my ex is that like no matter how many people there are that say that support you at the end of the day who's actually showing up and it's a harsh reality but like it is what it is and realizing that like I'm not as big of a deal in some people like in some relationships with people than I like perceive in my head which is also a harsh reality like oh you don't love me as much as I love you what does that mean naive little Nicole even though I've been five foot flat for like a hot minute um (laughs) like naive little Nicole would be like why don't they love me back but it's like I have to like recognize that I have to like love the inner child within myself and other people can't do that for me thank you therapy tiktok um and uh I also hope that like I grow in like my faith over the fall experience and not get like tainted by like the like student life community around faith and more so like this is like an intimate relationship but yeah so I think that's how much I've grown would anyone else like to add any final thoughts one thing I would like to add kind of going off of yours is really even over the eight weeks that we have been doing this podcast, I have been seeing a tremendous growth in your self-confidence. And frankly, I'm excited to see where that goes into the future. Wyatt Hall. I'm very emotional right now. Wyatt. Wyatt. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Everyone is coming into themselves and we are here to see it. And that is the... It only gets better from here. Truly. Yeah. 2020... We're done with you. Um, 2021. <laughs> Please be good. Please, for the God. Um, Wyatt, I love you. Chef's kiss. That is our show. Thank you so much again to Nicole, big Nicole, and Sophia for joining us to talk about navigating love and relationships in the midst of the coronavirus. Thank you to Wyatt for always dealing with my craziness and my chaos every single week. Remember to follow or subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio content to be notified whenever we release a new episode each and every week. Wyatt, where can they follow us? They can follow us at University Daily Kansan on Instagram and Kansan News on Twitter. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, We will be back in the fall with more hot takes and more from our wonderful staff. It has been an absolute pleasure to produce content for y'all every Tuesday with my right-hand man, Wyatt. And we are already counting down the days to be back. Thank you all for joining us. Have a wonderful and safe rest of the summer. Wear a mask. Cover that nose. Please cover that nose. Peace.